Hey, this is Taylor. This is Jake. And this is Dan. And this is Unicorn Finders, where we are on the search to eliminate the elusive unicorn factor in everyday people, businesses, and relationships. Hope you enjoy. Everybody, welcome back to Unicorn Finders. It's an absolute pleasure to bring on our next guest uh, from Cope Notes, one of my favorite, uh, I guess, favorite messaging tools that exists out there, especially when we come into a world uh, where we've talked about a lot about mental health on this podcast uh, and just life in general. Is Johnny Crowder, the founder of Cope Notes? Johnny, how are you doing this? I am excited right now. So like we talked about, I'm a big sneaker fan. I am trying on some sneakers in my house that my okay. got me. And we don't wear shoes in the house, but when okay. you get a new pair, you can wear them in the house to like test drive them to make sure they fit right. Of course. And I'm excited about these, but they're a little tight. So we'll okay. see if I like pass out from blood loss during. Yeah, that. you got it. My <laughs> slippers right now feel great. So no, uh, my like, moccasins. How, how large of a person am I? Where size twelve shoes feel tight on me? Yeah, Wait, you were size twelve. You were size twelve. Yeah, the, I'm normally eleven and a half, but these are Boom. Pumas, and Puma and Adidas. I need to go up for some reason. I've always been looking for a sneaker guy that wears my size to to buy some sneakers. So yeah. uh, let's. Let's talk after this. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, on him. I sell some, I customize some, like paint them and stuff. So let me know. This is my yeah. true hobby. We should Dude, do a unicorn good. finder sneaker. Yes. All right. Well, we uh, can talk about I that. Actually after. Just, yeah. I actually just your custom vans with the unicorn finders logo. Just seen that's, that's that's awesome. I um I've bought the same pairs of shoes three times a year for the last five years. <laughs> um, I go to the Johnston and Murphy store, I buy the same loafer until they don't have it anymore. So um I appreciate what you guys are doing for the sneaker world. I used to do that when I got new ice skates when I was playing hockey growing up. Um, I'd wear them on my bed just to, you know, just to break them in a little bit. That way I could, uh, you know, shred it on the ice a bit. But uh, the world <laughs> didn't come here. All the thousands and millions of people that are listening didn't come here to listen to us talk about breaking in sneakers and breaking in ice skates. Um but Johnny, want to talk to you. You and I got the chance to meet back in, uh, I think, late January, or early February of this year. And a lot has happened in between then. Um, and I think a lot of what you're doing you know, specifically addresses kind of the wild times that we're dealing with now. But Johnny, mm-hmm. I want to go back to the beginning. Talk to us a little bit about Cope Notes, who you guys are, and then ultimately what your founder story is. Yeah. So the short version is we provide daily mental health support via text message. That is the entire thing. There's lots of cool little nooks and crannies. um, But if that piques your interest, you want to hear about the nooks and crannies. If it doesn't, we're probably not a great fit. But really, (laughs) we're just trying to make um, preventative and interventional mental health not be so expensive, not be so complicated, not be so like um, invasive. So Hmm. really, uh, if you can't tell, I'm just like every other founder in the whole world. I wish I could say I grew up thinking like, Oh, you know what? You know, one day I wake up and there's a light bulb above my head and I think I'm going to do something miraculous and I'm going to help so many people. But really, it was born from my own pain. I grew up in an abusive household and was Mm. diagnosed with a number of mental health conditions at at a fairly young age. And my treatment experience was abominable. I couldn't stand any part of it. I was not fulfilled. I didn't feel supported. I felt confused all the time. I felt um, very personally invaded. Um, yeah. It's a very uncomfortable experience. And I wanted to see, you know, peer support is something that really helped me. So I went to school for psychology and got involved with uh, peer support and public advocacy through NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Shout out NAMI. Um, 
And that's um, really what showed me that peer support is valuable. And I started thinking, you know, peer support is great, but it's not scalable. Mm-hmm. How the heck do you provide peer support to more than one person at a time, really? So we mm. wanted to figure out how to provide peer support to 500,000 or 5 million or 50 million people at the same time. And slowly we learned that each iteration of Cope Notes before, even some under a different name, mm-hmm. um, just f- couldn't fully scale. And Cope Notes is the version that is capable of scaling. Got you, got you. So touch us a little bit about what you guys are doing. Obviously, you're there f- to provide support. You know, you make it very clear you're not in lieu of a therapist or therapy or psychology or psychologist or psychiatrist, but you're you're there to to provide um, hope and support. But but touch us a little bit more about you know how somebody you know enrolls in your program and then the type of supporting ongoing support and you know how you determine what support you give a particular person compared to another mm. person yeah so it's interesting like a lot of mental health tools feel like they are treatment focused and we are taking the other end so i don't need to bash treatment i have benefited from treatment i've taken medication mm. i've i've seen clinicians and that's helped me a lot But a lot of people aren't willing to see clinicians. They maybe don't have the finances. They can't fit it into their schedule. um, Or really, they have this pronounced sense of self-stigma that's keeping them from care. So Cope Notes is kind of that gap filler, that bridge for people who are in treatment and need something on a daily basis. Or there are people who would never attend treatment in a million years. They have never been diagnosed with anything, but they still feel like they can improve their mental and emotional health. So in in short order, you go to our website, type in your phone number, and you start getting text messages from us on a daily basis. And mm. the goal is for those text messages to retrain your brain. So you are training your brain to think in healthier patterns. We're not texting you like smile or be happy today. These are texts <laughs> written by peers with lived experience. They are approved by a clinical oversight panel to make sure that we're not just talking out of our butts. And they're all based on proven psychological principles. So they're easy to read. Um, They don't feel very clinical or stiff, but they still feel like casual and informal and they actually help. And over time, if we can brighten your day today, that's great. But really our our true focus is like in 10 months and it's your birthday and you get rear-ended. Like how do you react? What do you turn to? That's our focus. Right. And so, so how often is this a, you does this cope notes? Is it an everyday thing? Is it a multiple times a day thing? Is it a, Hey, I only want to hear from you guys, you know, once a a week, once a month, how, how does the platform work? Yeah. So it's interesting. Originally my goal was to not even send texts every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once we started doing research with USF in 2018, we realized that a big component of consistency is something happening every day. Okay. Um, that's how habit forming really takes root. You need consistency. So then we thought, let's text people a billion times a day. And that didn't work. So we yeah. kind of <laughs> evened out at around all the text we, messages. We have, uh, for a long time, we've been doing one text a day at a random time. And no okay. two people get the same text at the same time. So everyone has their own completely unique Cope Notes experience, but this is a Unicorn Finders exclusive. Yeah. Um, we just did a soft launch. It's up right now of a premium text frequency subscription where it's two texts a day instead of one. Cool. We have not posted about it. We haven't really shared about it. And only maybe like there we go. You heard it here. have signed yeah. up for it so far. So 
we're doing a soft launch of it and it seems to be a crowd favorite. So now it, it was actually difficult to determine how many texts we can send and at what frequency before we start being too inconsistent to where we're not helping habit forming or sure. we are so pestery that you start to expect the text and then the effect diminishes. So I, I, I have a quick question. So I, I'm curious because I've gotten really big on text messaging lately with my business. Lost you, uh -oh. bud. You, you went, you went silent, Taylor. Nope. I'll dive, I'll, I'll dive in on that, that one then. How did you kind of, what are some things you have around just like the problem? I mean, obviously I've, I've heard some like statistics. I'm pulling some of them out of my butt right now, but like from just in the last six or seven months about, you know, uptick in, in suicide rates and in the, in, you know, support help uh, or support hotlines and, and all of that, you know, how much of that, um, have you seen it? Have you seen an uptick or is all that? And, and what do you know around, around those right now? Cause I mean, it's, it's rampant people who think that they're fine you know, and yeah. it shifted off of your normal routine and day to day just a little bit and get trapped inside for a bit. And, you know, the real, the real stuff comes out, you know? Yeah. I think I'm tempted to jump in on exactly what you just asked, but I actually, the mental health advocate is rising up in me and wanting to sort of draw a line and say, maybe our biggest fault in addressing COVID is that we're acting like mental health just became an issue. Exactly. Like it's just, Oh, now it's important now that COVID happened. And I think that's a disservice to the, the mountains of data that we have around um, lack of treatment or underfunded. Actually, we live in Florida. Some of us, uh, Dan and I do. And mm -hmm. Florida is the, actually last year was ranked 50th out of 50 in mental health spending per capita. Last wow place and that's our health, mental health systems are underfunded they're overwhelmed we don't mm -hmm. have enough options for people and then covid so instead yeah. of focusing on covid being the straw that broke the camel's back i want to say that that camel has been in a wheelchair for 19 <laughs> years or whatever yeah so it's definitely disheartening to see i think what breaks my heart on a personal level is to see these headlines that are like um, suicide and anxiety rates at all time high. And then there's all this relief funding being poured out to address these issues. And then I'll speak to um, counties and organizations who are like, yeah, we just don't know what to do. We don't have resources. And I'm like, you're telling me that you have millions of dollars set aside to support mental health. You have a yeah. broken system and that money is going to expire and people are just dragging their feet. Like the lack of sense of urgency breaks my heart. Dang. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so true uh, uh, from, I think there's been so many factors over the years that has, have led to, I think, an increase in mental health issues with the awareness seems to be going down and the issues seem to be rising still. Mm -hmm. You know, what I, what I am thankful for is, is a little bit in our generation, I feel like the stigma of therapy is broken or breaking to where it's like, yeah, I was just talking to my therapist the other day and this isn't this. And it, it's not like this, like, wait, what you're in therapy and all this, this stuff. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, and that, and that is, that is huge, but there's so many other, we're inundated with so many things, right. All at the same time, there's no break from anything, you know, I mean, just reading just last year about some of the, you know, people are, you know, you've got 
kid, I've got three kids who like, they know that none of them have cell phones and, but like getting into having social media at like eight, you know, and you're, you're, you had cyber bullying on top of regular bullying, you know, there's no safe place at home at, at, or no safe place anywhere because you can always be gotten by whatever is attacking you in this scenario. And there's just no rest, you know, and that, that, that running with no rest is just, well, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, we, we, we've talked about it as, as friend groups. I'm not sure if we've talked about it on, on here, but you know, a, a lot of societies were changing, you know, now everybody has a camera, everybody's on social yeah. media all the time and, and the, the necessary need to kind of be perfect all the time is there. Right. And yeah. so that's, that's hindering, you know, your, your, you know, adolescence, your teens, your preteens, you know, all the way up. And it's, I, I can only imagine it takes such a mental drain on you. I mean, social media came about really popularly when I was, you know, kind of in the middle to end of high school with, with MySpace and, you know, the mid two thousands, but I yeah. mean, it's only just drastically gone from there. Where, where do you see your platform continuing to grow and expand to, to try to reach, you know, some of those groups as well. Mm. Yeah. I, it was actually difficult for me in the first, uh, maybe a year or so. Cause everyone said, why don't you just make it an Instagram page where you post, <laughs> you know, things that make people smile on Instagram or why don't you make a Facebook for it? And really, um, ironically, we are very, very inactive on social media and that's like by design Good. we're not trying to keep people on the social media channels actually when our text comes in a lot of times people will be scrolling through instagram and they get that cope notes text and it pulls them out of that like 45 minute rabbit hole of them looking at someone playing basketball and wishing they were that good right like, yeah the whole purpose of cope notes is to interrupt and i think when we started it, that was important. But now in, in 2020, we're realizing like interruptions save us from yeah. these. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you guys, but during COVID, I have found myself literally playing out these scenarios like, well, what, you know, I've already had COVID, but when I, when I got COVID, I was like, well, what if this happens? Mm -hmm. And then, well, what if, oh no, then uh, what if I see my mom or what if I touch a doorknob mm -hmm. while at home and yeah. my sister gets it or whatever. And the purpose of cope notes is to interrupt negative thought patterns because we all have something called automatic negative thought. Mm -hmm. And 80% of our daily thoughts are negative in nature. And we're wow. not consciously being like, let wow. me imagine something terrible. It's something that plays. So people who say, oh, I don't experience anxiety. I don't experience depression. Mm -hmm. I don't experience negativity. Maybe you don't like those terms, but you are experiencing to an extent that automatic negative thought. And I think mm -hmm. Cope Notes fills the gap by pulling people out of those patterns, whether it's caused by social media or school or your job or yeah. finances or body image or whatever. What I love about it, I mean, you you know, we go through these mining techniques, right? Everyone finds their way to, to hide, you know, in, in certain ways, you know, and when you're unhealthy, especially when you haven't been able to cope through with someone on certain things. Some people pour into, I'm going to stream through Netflix all night, or I'm just going to keep scrolling, or I'm going to, I'm going to listen to music, or I'm going to do this. What I love about it is that you're not numbing. You're just, you're more waking up. Hey, you're going down this place. Here's a quick wake up to some positivity or to whatever. And that is awesome because you're, you're not, because you're, you are, you're retraining that mind to be like, no, don't be numb into this. Don't numb yourself. Deal with it. 
deal with the issue and here's the positivity around it. And that, that I think is huge, man, you know, cause we're in a numbing generation, you know, it's like, am I going to go down drinking and, and, and rampant drugs, or am I going to go do this or whatever it is trying to, yeah, I, think reality, you know? our, I don't think it's that people can't think positive thoughts. We think positive thoughts fairly often. The problem mm. is we're not presented with a lot of catalysts for positive thought mm-hmm. and a negative thought train mm. can persist for, for so long that our brain starts physically changing where the synapses are located to make negative Mm. thoughts easier. That's how negative thought patterns form. So cope notes, the whole purpose is to interrupt those thought patterns enough times in a row where those synapses maybe start to drift a little further apart while other synapses associated with positive thought have a chance to start growing closer together so that over time your brain can default to those positive patterns. Dude, that's crazy. Um, I mean, because you, I mean, you just hear a lot about, you know, going back to um, my AP psychology class, got a five, not a big deal. <laughs> but you go back to just like human thought and, you know, you go back to kind of the origins of, of human thinking and you almost wonder why we're programmed, you know, to have negative thought compared to positive thought. It's kind of that are, are people inherently good or inherently evil, right? So it's just, it's wild to hear that. I've never heard that statistic before and that just, you know, completely changes, but also, in my mind, you start to think about it. You're just like, man, that, that's totally true. want to touch you a little bit about you guys have a huge reach. A um, couple hundred thousand, not a couple hundred, you know, close to 500,000 users. No, um, no, nine, no. Oh, more I than have that. to correct you. I wish I could take credit for that. That's yeah. how many texts we've exchanged. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, fi- almost 500,000 texts. That's a ton that's, of texts. Um, that's text. like how many, like, my friends like daughter sends in like an evening, but almost 500,000 um, texts um, that you guys have sent out 92 countries. Incredible. How do you reach such a, a wide breadth of people from, from young to old, you know, first world country, third world country. Is it kind of the same thought process or, or talk to me a little bit about, about reach there? Yeah, I cannot explain our growth. We haven't, you know, we're bootstrapped. So we haven't done like a big capital raise and all these big marketing campaigns. We don't have any celebrities in our corner. We don't have these big connections with health players or anything. It's all been literally word of mouth and organic press, which is astonishing because I remember one day um, we were on the front page of Reddit, which is the scariest thing that can happen to any startup. Uh, I forget what it's called. It's the, the Reddit squeeze of death or the clench of death or whatever it's called yeah it was a sure it which is where basically you have so many freaking people going to your website at the same time that right. it just like chokes your your server yeah um so that was a stressful moment but we had tons of people in other countries sign up through that and since then it's gone up like we only launched so in the first year of our international program because we didn't start international it was only mm-hmm. us Sure. And in our, in the first year of our international program, we went from one to 71 countries. Wow. In a year. And then now we're at 92. And that growth is, in my opinion, evidence of the idea that mental health is a universal topic. It's not like, oh, people in America are all stressed out because of their work. But, <laughs> you know, people in Zimbabwe aren't really experiencing that. Yes, they are. It's, yeah. it's so much a product of the human condition. And honestly, I'm astonished that that many people speak English in that many different countries because we don't have another language version at the moment. But it does remind me that when we're writing these text messages, we have to be careful 
with how we word each text. That's why we have so many people review mm -hmm. all of our texts before they're entered into our library because we have someone in Thailand reading it. We have someone in South Africa reading it. Oh, wow. And we have yeah. to be pretty careful with our messaging. And even yeah. still, literally once a day or more, we're making edits to that live library mm -hmm. based on user feedback so that we can better accommodate more diverse audiences. That's, that's, awesome. that's, that's something that I was going to ask. Obviously, you know, every, you know, a, a lot of countries are very, very different in terms of, you know, kind of cultural norms and mores that, that drive them um, or, or are kind of built in, whether, you know, for religious reasons, whether cultural reasons, whether societal, how, how do you guys, and I want to hear a little bit more about kind of your international play, just because I, I think it's fascinating um, because you're just dealing with so many different types of people, but how do you guys I guess deal with some of the, the, the changes in, in cultural norms that, you know, Saudi Arabia might have that's different than Thailand, that's different than, you know, the United States or, you know, Cuba, right? Yeah. I definitely think that having a live library is key. So being mm -hmm. able to make real-time updates so that, so all of our texts, let's say you receive a text today, Dan, that Jake is scheduled to receive in uh, seven and a half months. If you reply to that text with something that tells us that maybe it didn't fit or it wasn't worded correctly, or if we see a feedback form around it, or one of our oversight panel members says, this is a concern, Jake will receive the updated version of that text. Oh, and okay. Even if Jake was going to receive that text later today, mm -hmm. if he was going to receive it one hour after you, which is rare, but if that were the case, wow. he would receive the new version of that text. And I think it is a matter of understanding that if you run a business, you are always wrong in like half the ways. So 50% of the time, 50% of the things you think are correct are incorrect. And you have yeah. to create a system that allows you to make these changes on the fly to better protect customers who haven't had a chance to complain. So we mm -hmm. focused all of our attention on not only writing, mm -hmm. specifically using like copywriting experience to craft a message that can work across demographics, but also expecting ourselves to be wrong, expecting ourselves to have to make edits and making that system as quick and efficient as possible. Because the fact is, dude, two, I almost made it an app. There's two and a half billion cell phone users on the planet who can't use apps. They don't have a smartphone. They don't have internet access. They don't have a data plan. So I don't care how cool your mental health app is or how many five-star ratings it has. Yeah. If it's not helping a kid that's in crazy. Chicago because he doesn't have an iPhone, then it's not good enough for me. Dude, that's nuts. That's, that's nuts. nuts. Go ahead, Taylor. So, You're back. Johnny, so I have a question for you, and I'm back. I had my problem. Sorry about that. When am I for a bit? Um, so uh, Missed you. Yeah. So let's pull it back a little bit. What is like one or two pieces of advice, right? You already had a great piece of advice, right? 50% of what you do in business is wrong and you have to try to pivot quickly. Yeah. Let's let's say somebody has a passion about something, right? You had a passion to start Coke Notes, right? What are what are some tips and, and some suggestions and some encouragement that you could offer for individuals who are wanting to get started on something that may not seem like a legitimate business, right? You wouldn't think that sending encouragement through text messaging is a business, but yet here you are on Unicorn Finders. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so what are some words of encouragement? 
Yeah, so I have uh, mm. well encouragement or advice because they're two both, very different both, both. Well, we like both those things. So yeah, we like okay. both. Actually, um, don't pick I, I got to start with <laughs> advice because I actually, bro, I'm two and a half years into this, further than two and a half years, and I just joined a veteran-focused incubator to learn how Cope Notes can be better applied to the veteran community. Okay. okay. This incubator has companies who have not even started their company yet or are yeah. just in the first stages. They don't have their legal figured out. They're not sure who their customer would be. And the first piece of advice is treat whatever you're building like it's a business just in case. Mm -hmm. Because at an incubator, you learn, like for myself, I started Cope Notes as a project, a volunteer project. It became a business and then I had to go back and learn all of the things I should have done in my first year. So if you have an idea and you don't think it's a business yet, treat it like it is one just in case because you'll learn so much about your idea by going yeah. through the motions, connecting with a, um, a couple advisors or consultants or like there's, I'm sure there's like a small business development center wherever you live. So connect with them, oh, yeah. get feedback, go through the motions of starting a business because whether or not it becomes a business, maybe in the process of treating it like a business, you find out a totally better way to do it. So I think number one, uh, treat it like it is a business. And number two, if at all possible, start with somebody. I am a solo founder and it is brutal. People warned me. Uh, you know, if you have a company, you should have a co-founder. The fact is when I started Cope Notes, I didn't treat it like a company because it was a project. So this just goes back to my first point. Treat it like it's going to be the biggest company in the world and then go through the motions because through that process, you will learn all of the mistakes that I've made and not to do them. That's good. That's, that's one I, I wrote that's down. Awesome. I'll down by later. <laughs> Hey, Johnny, I want to know kind of your origin story. So I know this just started off as a project of you, you know, for you. When did you know that you you kind of had something? And then how did you go about scaling it to, you know, finding people to help you do ad copy to finding people in, I don't know, the Philippines, wherever it might be, that will review your text messages? Talk to us a little bit about the building process. So people need to understand that I'm not from the tech world at all. I toured in a death metal band for eight years. I tour in a, a metal band now that's not death metal, but it's still pretty heavy. So music has been my entire career. And to make money, I did freelance copy for agents. Mm. I did creative direction, design, art direction, um, tons of copy. And so I'm very much from the creative side of things. I did go to school for psych, um, mm -hmm. but really I'm more mm. from mental health advocacy side. And I think honestly, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have the help that I have today if I didn't spend 10 years in the mental health industry volunteering. I've been working yeah. for all of these different agencies and organizations for a decade. So when I started Cope Notes, I said, Hey, you know, I've been doing stuff for free for you for 10 whole years. Would you mind reviewing our text bank? Can yeah. I an hour meeting with you so you can help me understand maybe how to treat this from a clinician's perspective. That's so cool. all of my connections have been through like serving and serving and serving. And then after all of those years of doing it saying, can you help guide us to make sure that we're actually doing more good than harm? Oh, and so as for realizing 
when we had something, it was when I quit my agency job, which I do feel was preemptive at the time. Um, <laughs> but I, I, we had just B2C open. So we weren't doing, we weren't working with like um, enterprise level clients or anything. It was just yeah. individual people signing up. And maybe we had like a hundred people sign up or something in the first few months. And um, I, I wasn't going to quit my job for that, obviously. And then we had a request from a school district for 150,000 subscriptions. And I said, listen, lady, I appreciate you thinking of me. I run this all by myself. I, I'm repurposing SMS marketing software. Like, yeah. There's no freaking way. We'd be sending more texts in a day than there are seconds in a day. And at that point, we need to have multiple phone numbers. Like logistically, it just becomes like it's illegal right. at a certain point. Like there's no way I could help you. And, right. um, and wow. I said, besides... In the talk, I said, besides, that would be like 13 million bucks a year or something, even if yeah. we did do it. And she said, I know. <laughs> and I said, I'm oh, sorry, what? Wait a second. <laughs> you already knew that. This we'll might be tomorrow. Yeah. So I said, how do, we, how do we move forward? And she said, um, we can't work with any company that doesn't have a full time CEO. And I quit my job like a scared little baby. And, <laughs> and just was like, I'm going to build this That's no matter amazing. what it takes. So it was definitely a wake up call for me to see, like, it's not just for a couple hundred kids at shows and your friends and family. This is something that could impact an entire generation of students, mm, yeah. better parents, mm. better leaders, to sh better politicians, to shape culture. I was like, holy crap, I can really wow. make a difference in this world. And I have to quit my favorite job I've ever had to do it. <laughs> That's awesome. Dang. That is so, that's, so cool. That's wild. That's wild. Um, you've got such an incredible story. Um, what's what's next for you? What's next for Cope Notes? Um, what's next for your band? All that stuff. Give us give us the yeah, what is the band too? Yeah, yeah, what band? Yeah. My band is called Prison. Um, we're on Spotify and YouTube and oh, okay, Apple, anywhere you would find us. Oh, we have a new song coming out Tuesday. Okay. Uh, which is rare. We don't usually do singles, so if you Oh, a music fan definitely check it out um and then obviously we can't tour we usually tour for like half the year like six months or so um we've been home all year so mm. that's been a challenge we're just trying to be creative um hopefully next year we'll do a great big world tour and everyone's going to be jumping on top of each other like before i can't wait um, for me i really want to start doing more advocacy and more speaking mm -hmm. um, this year has been difficult because all the speaking engagements i've done have been virtual luckily so my ted talk happened just before COVID, yeah. and i wow. know speakers who have had their event switched to virtual which would have crushed me You're yeah. right so i'm so thankful that i got to do an in-person one and i'm looking forward to doing more in-person engagements in the future so yeah. I definitely want to get back into advocacy stronger. And then for Cope Notes, we're trying to do more um, employee wellness stuff, like kind of what yeah. we were talking about before we got on. I read a statistic the other day. This was pre-COVID, mind you. The the WHO came out with a stat that was like, oh, I have it right here. I pulled it up before the call. It's for every $1 that employers invest in treatment and prevention for common mental health issues like stress, anxiety, mm -hmm. burnout, and depression they see an average return of $4 in improved health and productivity. So it's a return. Wow. And wow. just a couple other stats that make me want to focus on workplace wellness. 83% of U.S. workers suffer from work-related stress. And this one blew my mind. 
depression and anxiety have an estimated cost of $1 trillion per year in lost work. Unbelievable. With oh. depression responsible for 400 million lost workdays annually. And as a business owner, wow. a couple of years ago, I would have been like, oh, well, they have jobs. Yeah. Now I'm like, oh, yeah. if my, if the employees that work with me and for me are experiencing this mental health stress to that extent, I have to do something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wow. incredible. Dude, that's really, well, really cool. Well, thank you again, Johnny, for joining us. We always end every podcast with a lightning round. Yep. Uh, where we keep up with points, but yet the points don't matter. So it'll be five questions. Answer them as the pops into your head. Um, and uh, here we go. So a few of them are Halloween themed. Um, oh, so, so we're going to start with that. Uh, favorite scary movie. That is an oxymoron for me because I hate scary movies, but favorite scary movie for you? The Garbage Pail Kids movie is the I don't worst know what that is. movie I've I don't ever know what seen that in is. my entire life. All right. Oh. I'm not watching that. And it is a Halloween. I watch it with my sister every Halloween because it's the worst, quote, scary movie I've ever seen in my life. I just learned that The Nightmare Before Christmas was a Halloween movie. I've never seen it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just learned, I just learned that, that on uh, on Tuesday that it was a Halloween movie. See, I always thought it was just like a weird Christmas movie, but here we are. So I thought it was a weird Christmas movie too. So here we, this is why we do yeah. this podcast to learn things. Yeah. Um, next question. Favorite Halloween candy. Ooh. If you say, if you say the, the answer the corn is candy, candy corn, but yeah, I'm, I'm, we're not going to air this episode. Corn, I promise you. The answer is definitely candy corn. Probably a, a hundred grand. It's like such a novelty. Really? You get such one, you're like start, a startup I founder. I never see these. Yeah. That yeah. is that is a startup founder, you know? Oh, give me a hundred grand and I'll grand. Yeah. <laughs> you know. um what's the best Halloween costume you've ever dressed up in? Um, one time I went to a party as uh your grandpa. So I dressed as an old person and then I pretended to be whoever was talking to me. I pretended to be their grandpa. Dude, that's incredible. Uh, and it's really good a lot of conversations for sure. That's awesome. That's excellent. <laughs> um, both my grandfathers are dead. So that would be weird. Anyways. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, beach yeah. or mountains? Uh, mountains. If there's water beach, if there's not. Oh, okay. Like there's got to okay, be streams or waterfalls or something yeah, like that. I yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And then final question to end out this round. Uh, your favorite pair of sneakers that you're digging right now, either wearing or want or anything like that. Just something you're either digging or really, really want to purchase. Honestly, uh, there's a sneaker customizer called Meek's Shoes, and he mm -hmm. makes these – uh, Union style Air Jordan ones that are like orange, like shattered backboard Air Jordan ones. Yeah, that are that have like gray and cream with them, and they've been on my Christmas list for the last three years, and I haven't bought them for myself. But one day <laughs> I will get a few hundred bucks, send it to Meek's Shoes, and get some Union Gatorade Air Jordan ones. That's awesome. That's nice. awesome. Well, Johnny, thanks for joining us, man. That was a blast. Thank you for having um, me. Johnny, I want you before, before you before you sign off, plug yeah. where people can visit your website, where they can yeah, follow yeah. you and all that stuff. Yes. So copenotes.com will have everything. We have a podcast. We have some merch on there somewhere. Obviously, subscriptions, doi. Um, yeah. And then, uh, my band is called Prison. Uh, we are on pretty much every streaming platform that you can think of. 
I am Johnny Crowder. Um, I'm starting to use LinkedIn more. So yeah. hit me up on LinkedIn. Big also tool. Facebook and on Instagram, I'm at Johnny Crowder. Okay. Or no, I'm at Johnny Crowder Loves You. My mistake. Oh, very nice. good. I love that. I, that. I don't believe I love in that. Twitter, so I don't have a Twitter, but Cope Notes does. So if you need to tag us, you can do that. Don't believe that. You. We're going to bring you on next time to figure out why you don't believe in Twitter. Yeah, because Dan and I are big on. fans of Twitter. Hey, they made me get back on Twitter, okay? And the dude from Twitter, and we'll have a chat. Johnny, I didn't know that you're an Instagram celebrity, man. Um, Johnny, it's an absolute pleasure uh, talking with you. Uh, I love your platform. I loved it from the time that we talked back in January, um, and I love that we were able to get uh, you on today. I don't think our conversations are going to end here, uh, but thank you so, so much, man. Best of luck with everything. Congratulations to you personally, to you and the band, to you and the former band, and uh, we'll look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank y'all so much for tuning in to this episode of the Unicorn Finders. If you found any of that interesting or helpful at all, please share it with your friends. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or want to be a part of our podcast, be sure to email us at info at theunicornfinders.com. And while you're at it, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe us five stars and share it with a friend or two. We'll see you next week.